Carl. And, uh, if you have your Bibles this morning, I invite you to turn to Second Peter, Second Peter chapter three. The uh, thankful for uh, how the Lord works and how he's faithful among us, even when sometimes it's hard. How many of you sometimes uh, have uh, difficulties in serving the Lord and, and get discouraged? They, if we're honest, we all do. And we all feel like at various times throwing in the towel and saying, Lord, it's just not worth it anymore. I'm tired of this foolishness. I'm tired of this world. And beyond, I think the Lord's tired of this world too. Uh, I think he's been tired uh, with it for a long, long time. Uh, and yet we're going to see today that uh, the Lord is gracious and the Lord is patient and wants to give every opportunity that he can uh, for mankind to wake up and turn back to him. As you see, as long as a person has breath, there's still hope for that person that they can come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And that makes it all worthwhile. It makes all the difficulties, it makes all the trials, it makes all, and why we say, listen, you've got to continue on, you've got to press forward. Uh, Second Peter, this was, Paul wrote this very likely right before he died. It's at the end of his life and kind of his uh, last um, motivation to the Christian church. Uh, he understood that his life was uh, one that was used by the Lord despite himself. Listen, if ever there was a person that we would understand if the Lord gave up, it was Peter. Why, Peter denied the Lord not just once, not just twice, but three times. And yet God's grace was so much greater than Peter's denial, and God restored Peter and used Peter in the early church uh, to help as the church got uh, its footing and, and founding. And God used Peter to preach on the day of Pentecost and thousands and thousands of people uh, came to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Uh, and so let's take a look at Peter's words here in 2 Peter chapter 3, and we're going to read 18, the eight, for all 18 verses this morning. It says, This is now the second letter that I am writing to you, beloved. In both of them I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles, Knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlook this fact that the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God that by means of these the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and the destruction of the ungodly. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, 
that with the Lord one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is his one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness or slackness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night, and the heavens will pass away with the roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done in it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and be at peace. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given to him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them on these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away by error of lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, To him be glory now and to the day of eternity. Amen. So Peter is wrapping up this last uh, sermon uh, before his death. uh, And he does something that he does in both of his letters. He says, I've written these things that you might remember what God has done for you and what God wants to do through you. Because as long as you remember those things, you'll find the the gumption and you'll find the ability to keep going on and you'll understand what it's all about. And so those days where it'll be hard, but you won't want to give up. You'll want to keep pressing on because you know that Jesus saved you despite how undeserving you were. And that God is not done saving the world. Because as long as this world still here is existing, the truth of verse 9 is playing out. It says, for God is not slack concerning his promises, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering. Not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. God's desire is that everyone would spend eternity with him, that everyone in this life would come to know him in a relationship and experience new life and transformation that only he can bring, that's God's will for everyone. But not everyone is going to be saved because God desires and wants everyone because everyone is created in God's image, even those that deny it. are created in the image of God, and God loves them, and God wants, is reaching out and calling them to come to him. But God does not make us robots. He gives us the ability to choose. And part of the reason why this world is so wicked and evil is because men 
hate the things of God, but they love evil and they love darkness. That's what sin does. Sin destroys. He's already mentioned that a few times in this very short letter. Only three chapters. But Peter understood because he himself had been faced with a choice to choose God or reject God, and there was an occasion where Peter made the wrong choice. And it undid him. And yet, we find in the Gospel of John, as it's wrapping up, Peter is there and he's gone back with some of the other disciples and they've gone fishing. And Jesus shows up. And he takes Peter aside and he asks him, Peter, do you love me? And he asks him that three times. He uses two different Greek words for talking about two different kinds of love. And when Peter acknowledges his love and his desire to to follow after Jesus, Jesus forgives him and restores him. And so Peter goes on, and the next time we see him is just a couple pages over in our English Bibles in the book of Acts. And we find the day of Pentecost has come and Jesus has given the apostles this kind of last message. We call it the Great Commission. And then we find in the very next chapter all of God's people gathered and Peter gets up and he begins to preach. And people have come from all over the known world at this time. And Peter is preaching uh, and He's most likely preaching in, in Greek. That was the world language at the time, kind of like English is today. But everyone from all these different places heard the words that Peter was preaching in their own language. And they understood what Peter was saying. And God spoke to them, and many came to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and found new life in Christ. But we also see in those early pages of the book of Acts, there were those that scoffed and mocked. In fact, today we were in chapter 17 in our Sunday school lesson. It says those of the synagogue mocked these believers. In fact, they didn't just mock them, they tried to stir up trouble. And created mobs to destroy what God was doing. In fact, even went from... The town of Thessalonica followed him 50 miles to the next town, to the little town of Berea, to stir up trouble there. And so what's the point? Peter understood there will be some that receive the word with gladness. There will be some whose lives are transformed. But he will also there will be those that don't. And so there's a couple of realities that we need to realize as we look at these last words of the Apostle Peter. And the first is this, that we need to understand the passing of this world. Peter, in this last chapter, which of course, remember, he didn't write in chapters. It's something that man made 
several hundred years later. But I'm glad they did because it helps us to find it uh, pretty easy, so we're all on the same page. But Peter, in, in this letter, and specifically in the third chapter, says, listen, I'm writing to remind you of some things. And he says, there's some that make different decisions. There's some that believe in the promises of this world. And there's some that that even take God's word and they twist it to their own destruction. In other words, they think they know what God's word says, but they really don't. Because they're not willing to study. They're not willing to take a look at it and, and say, God, what does this really mean? And letting God tell them what it, what it really means. And so he says, listen, this world is going to come to an end. They're walking and according to their own lusts, according to the things of this world, according to the flesh. And guess what that way is going to lead to? It's going to lead to destruction. Because he reminds us that this old world that we're riding along in on right now today is passing away. And the day is coming when it's not going to exist anymore. And though preachers have been proclaiming the coming of the Lord since Jesus went to be with the Lord, and Jesus said he was coming again, and Peter reiterates that promise here in this chapter, Jesus said, nobody knows the day or the hour except the Father. But I can tell you one thing, it surely is closer today than it was yesterday. And it certainly is closer today than it was in Peter's day. But it reminds us that people said, listen, God said he was, this, this guy Jesus said he was coming back again. Where is he? We don't see him. And they were mocking him. And by the way, the world mocks Believers. And they mock the things of God. That shouldn't surprise us. It should not surprise us when sinners act like sinners because that's all they can do. They don't know any better. But Peter reminds us that, listen, yes, though they are they're following after the things of this world... This world's going to perish. He says, listen, God destroyed it by water one time, but he said he's going to destroy it again by fire. And you read the book of Revelation, you see that that does come to pass. And so he says the, the, the ways of this world are going to, that they lead to nothing. Good. In fact, the only thing it can lead to is destruction and death and ruin. And yet there are tons of people merrily plodding along, heading to their own demise, and are just happy as a clam. And say, yeah, uh, and they say God doesn't exist, or hey, listen... Culture today says, hey, you can make your God whatever you want to be. And in fact, if you want to be God, hey, be God. Well, that way of thinking in those kind of lives of this world have always existed. It's nothing new. I know like the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon says, listen, there's nothing new under the sun. 
And so Peter reminds us this old world is passing away. And you can follow after its lies and meet destruction, or you can make a different choice. You can choose to believe the promises of the Word. He said, listen, you can believe the lies of this world, or secondly, the second, that you can believe the promises of God's Word. And I think he's using, we're getting the idea, not only of God's Word, but the New Testament also calls Jesus Christ the Word. And I think Peter probably has both in mind, and I do today, as I'm preaching through this text, that it is God's Word and the incarnate Word, the person of Jesus Christ, that can change a life. You see, the ways of this world can't change anybody. The reality is all of us living in this world, we're breathing. The reality is every one of us is deteriorating. And the older you get, and I'm about to hit 50 in a couple of years, I'm finding the closer I get, the more I fall apart. Uh, And it only gets worse, I'm told, by some of you that are a little bit beyond 50. We're going to face death one day. Medicine can do all kinds of amazing things. And I mean, just about any ailment that comes our way most of the time, the doctors can do something about it, at least, if not to cure it, to make it where we can have a fairly healthy and, and decent life. And yet, you know what they can't cure? They can't cure death. They've not been able to stop it from coming. They can prolong life, but they can't stop death from coming. But here's the thing. Death is not the end. Eternity is the end, and eternity lasts forever. And so the promise of God is, listen, God promises that he's going to bring salvation, that he's still there, that he's working. It promises that he's going to bring judgment. And he's going to bring judgment on those that deny him, and the Bible says they're going to face torment in a real place called hell, A place where Jesus said there was weeping and gnashing of teeth. A place that you wouldn't even want your worst enemy to spend eternity. But some are going to spend eternity there. Not because necessarily that God just chose to send them there. But because they rejected God's offer of salvation. Because God was willing, Peter tells us, that all would come to repentance. And repentance is how we find the promise of that new life. We come and enter the promise of a relationship with Jesus Christ by faith, by trusting in God's Word. Paul says that he said, if anyone calls on the name of Christ, he will be saved. Anyone. That means you, that means me, it means anyone. And so the scripture is pretty plain that anyone can be saved, but that doesn't mean, again, all will be saved. 
because there will be some that will reject God's offer. But to those that accept that offer, Jesus says that he said, listen, Lord is coming again. And understand that just because the Lord is delaying his judgment does not mean it's not coming. Because a thousand years for us is a day to the Lord. That God's not bound by time. And it's hard. It'll give us a headache to try to figure that out. And the truth is we can't figure it out. But God is not bound by time like we are. And so he says the day of judgment's going to come. But God desires that all would come to repentance. He says, listen, when you feel like giving up and giving in, remember the day of the Lord is coming. Jesus is coming back. And so if Jesus is coming back, that means we need to be doing some things. That means we need to be ready. That means we need to be sure our relationship with God is nailed shut, secure. It means that we know that our life has been changed by a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. If you've met Jesus, your life hasn't stayed the same. And if it has stayed the same, you've not met Jesus. Because Jesus will meet you exactly where you are. But he will not leave you where he found you. And he won't leave you like he found you. He will change you. This side of heaven, we will never fully arrive in what God created and intends for us to be. But we ought to be growing more toward that. A little bit each day. So that when we stand before Jesus, he doesn't have to even look in in that Lamb's book of life because he can just look at us and know that we belong to him, just like uh, Lisa and Alice are sitting right back in front of each other. If you didn't know they were mother and daughter, you'd look at them, say, yeah, they're, they're something. Uh, <laughs> they're, they're kids. They, they kind of look alike. Look at Carl and his dog. You say, you know what? They're related. They kind of look alike. I'm just teasing, Brother Carl. Listen, Jesus intends for us, when we hang around with him, we begin to look like him. And the more we hang around him, the more we look like him. And so that when we stand before him, we see that family resemblance. But here's the thing, that Jesus is coming again. We don't know the day or the hour, but he's coming. When he comes, he's going to come quickly. And that means we need to be spreading the word. We need to be understanding that the one thing God promises is he's going to come back again. And when he comes back, our opportunities to come to know him are over. And so we need to know for ourselves that we know him, and we've been changed by him, and we're beginning to look like him. But we also need to be giving that opportunity to everyone we come into contact with. There are a lot of people in this world that claim to know Jesus, and yet who they know is not Jesus. I'm not sure who it is, but it's not Jesus. 
because they're not following after Jesus' ways, and they're not looking like Jesus. And they need to hear the message that, hey, listen, you need to repent. God's willing that you would find repentance. But Peter's meaning is that, and that's how we come to new life and how we begin this process of transformation that the Christian life is, is by repenting. And repenting is just a big fancy word that means change in direction. It's not just enough for you to realize that you're heading the wrong direction. You've got to do something about it. Guess what? If you're going the wrong direction, you keep going, you're not going to get where you're going. You've got to change direction. And so... Peter is saying, listen, realize that you're walking away from God. Turn around and head the other direction. Head toward God. Because he promises that he's coming again. And he promises that he will love us and that he'll stay near us and that he'll change us and that we're his forever if we'll call on him. We have that promise from his word, and Peter is reminding us over and over again because he knows human beings, we are forgetful people. Some of you probably forgot to you know, take your medicine this morning. There's days I, I forget to take my medicine. I get ready in a hurry and rush out the door, and I forget my stomach. I took my stomach test. Guess when I forget that I forgot to take this tummy medicine? When I've eaten. And it feels like my stomach's about to explode. I said, hey, Aaron, you forgot to take your heartburn medicine, dummy. We are all forgetful. And, you know, forgetting our medicine is, that's a pretty serious thing, at least for certain medicines. But can I tell you, forgetting that you belong to Jesus is a much worse problem than forgetting to take your medicine. And so Peter says over and over again in this letter, I'm reminding you. In other words, we have to continue to remind ourselves of whose we are. Now what Satan tries to do is he reminds us of the mistakes and the failures that we've made in life, and I don't care how good you are, you've got some failures. And you've got some failings in your life that Jesus Christ hopefully has forgiven and covered in his blood. And if they're covered by the blood of Jesus, Scripture says God remembers them no more. But you, Satan knows them. And Satan will try to remind you of them often. And so Peter says, listen, don't you listen to him. Block his voice out. And you remind yourself that, hey, yeah, I used to be that, but now I'm not. I'm forgiven, and I'm new, and I've been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, and I'm a new creation because God has made me whole. And friends, can I tell you something? You need to remind yourself of that every single day. Because there are powers of Satan, and this world are knocking at the door of your life, wanting to cave it in and knock down what God has built in your life. And sadly, too often, God's people open the door and let the world right in. The Bible says that if Satan comes knocking at your door, don't open the door. James said it this way. He said, resist the devil 
and he will flee from you. The problem is most of us don't do a whole lot of resistance. We forget because he comes looking like our buddy. But we all know not everybody that says they're your friend is actually your friend. And Satan is certainly no friend of yours. But Jesus is a friend. And by the way, Scripture says he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. That he never leaves you and he never forsakes you. So that when you feel like giving up, don't give up. And that brings us to the last point. Not only do we need to know the promises of this world, but we need to understand that there's the preparation of the saints. The preparation of the saints. He said, listen, God's coming back. He's changed you. Remember who He is. But He says, listen, you remember these things. He said, therefore, since you know this, Beware. So know the, know the truth. But notice what else he says at the end of that verse. He said, but, in verse 18, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. A lot of us are thankful for grace. And if you know grace, you better be thankful for it. And you better understand it sure is amazing. And can I tell you something? As I've walked with the Lord for a good number of years now, that amazing grace, the longer I walk with Him, guess what? It becomes even more amazing. Because when I became saved, I didn't all of a sudden become perfect. I still sinned and had to go to God and ask Him to forgive me. You know what? He, he does, and He still does. And so it's even more amazing that God would save you from your sinful life once. But it's even more amazing that when you have to come to Him almost daily, if not daily, say, Lord, you know what? I really blew it again today. Please forgive me. He does. He never comes and He never says, Sorry, you've used up your chances. We need to be thankful for grace. But can I tell you, far too many of us as God's children stop at grace and we never really have the knowledge of the Lord. We never know the Lord. Oh, maybe we found His grace. But can I tell you that as you experience God's grace, God intends for you to know Him and not just know Him, but know Him deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And and so, what do we do with that? We need to understand that there's some things we do not so that we can be saved, because salvation comes by faith alone. But once we are saved, there's some things we do because we are. We pray, and we read God's Word, and we fellowship and gather with God's people. We, you know, serve others. We do all these things that the scriptures say, listen, are characteristics of a child of God, of a Christian. Why does scripture say those things are important? Because Jesus did them. And if Jesus did them, and it was important for him to do them, 
You better understand, you need to do them. Jesus followed the Lord in baptism, not because he needed forgiveness of sin, but because he wanted to be obedient to the Father. And in that first, you know, public ministry act, he was declaring to the world, I have decided to follow God Almighty, and I'm going to do his will no matter what. And he does. That's what the rest of the Gospels are about. And even at the end of his life, goes to the garden, he says, Boy, Father, I wish this cup could pass from me. I really don't want to do what's coming next. But not my will, but yours be done. Scriptures talk over and over again about Jesus praying. And I tell you, if the Lord of Lords needs to pray, you need to pray a whole lot more. And Scripture gives us over and over again in counts of the Gospels, Jesus gathered at the synagogue. And if Jesus needed to go to synagogue, guess what? You need to go even more. He didn't do any of those things because he needed forgiveness or because he was a sinner. He was the Son of God. He was perfect. And yet he did all those things to show us those are things, practices that we put into our life to help us to grow in holiness, to grow closer to the Lord, to fully know the promises of God. To fully know that this world has no hold on our life. To know that we do not belong to this fallen, sinful world any longer, but we really have been bought with the price by the blood of Jesus Christ. We are not our own. And the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of us, and we become the temple of God, and we are to behave like the temple of God. But we forget. And so Peter says, listen, you grow in grace. Celebrate that grace and let it become even more amazing. But you also, child of God, grow in your knowledge of God. And I tell you, I don't care. Some of you are approaching 90. Uh, 90, some are a lot younger than that. I don't care how long you've lived. I don't care how much you know about God. I've been to seminary. I have a doctorate. God still teaches me new things every day. And I tell you that if you think you know it all, you're in a dangerous place. Because you don't know everything. And as long as you have breath, as long as you're above dirt, God intends for you to be growing and learning more and more about Him. And as God works in our life, as we read His Word, as we fellowship with other believers as we serve other people and help meet the needs of others. God teaches us so many things. And I tell you that though you may have graduated from school, you have not graduated from the Lord's school. And the Lord has things for you to learn. But the thing about school, uh, when you were 9 or 10 or 11, you had to go. You didn't have a choice. And mom and dad didn't send you to school. Mr. Policeman came knocking at the door wanting to know why Johnny was not in school. And if you chose to go to college or, uh, you know, we, nobody made you go to class. But if you didn't go to class and you didn't do the work, guess what? You didn't pass. And you didn't learn anything. You're basically wasting money. 
But when you showed up and took the test, if you were in class and you read the books and you studied, guess what? You probably did pretty well on the tests. Teaching uh, online classes and uh, teaching a few right now for uh, Welch College and uh, for California Christian. And there's a pop quiz. Every, they call it a pop quiz. They know it's coming. But it's a reading quiz most weeks. And there's only five questions. It's a short quiz. It takes two minutes. But do you know what those five questions tell me? If those students have read their assignments or not. Because if they get 50s and 40s and 30s, one time one student missed all five of them, I knew very quickly they did not read their textbook. Can I tell you that God knows by how we live our life whether we've read the textbook or not? And Peter says, too many of you are showing up not having read the book and done your homework and you're failing. And so Peter says, you gird yourselves up and you know fully the grace of God and the knowledge of God. And so our prayer is this, that God would encourage us with the reminder that he keeps his promises. And one of those promises is that he will save anybody that comes to him. And if you're here today or you're watching on the internet and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, can I tell you there's no greater day or place than right here and right now to come to know the transforming power of Jesus Christ and the fact that he can take your life and make it new, that you can experience grace. But perhaps you're here today and it would be... A, a message as it was to Peter's initial hearers, remember that you belong to the Lord. And so you grow in grace. And you grow in knowledge. That means you show up for the life that God has for you. Even though sometimes this world just makes you want to throw in the towel and say, give up. It's not worth it. Jesus says, you hang in there. And you grow and you come to know me more fully. And I hope God will help us to do that. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your goodness and your love to us. And Lord, thank you for this important truth that you will take us just as we are but you will not leave us there. And God, may we hear the admonition of Peter this morning. May we grow in grace, and may we grow in the knowledge of the Lord. Lord, forgive us when we are so readily and easily accept the grace, but we're not willing to grow in the knowledge. Lord, forgive us for that. Lord, help us to grow. Help us to become just like you. Lord, help us to bear the family resemblance. That when we come into contact with people of this world, they know that they have had a Jesus encounter because they've encountered us. Lord, that's only possible by 
because you shed your innocent blood on the cross of Calvary to pay my sin debt and the sin debt of all the world. Lord, there's many that mock that. There's many that scoff at that. But Lord, would you help them to surrender to you? Help us be the ones that might go to them and give them one last chance to hear the message of how you love them and can transform their life. Because if you can change my life, you can change theirs too. Thank you for the promise that no one is beyond amazing grace. Help us to live that, we pray in Jesus' name. Let's stand together and sing this hymn of invitation. If God spoke into your heart, and there's a decision you need to make today, this would be a great day and a great time for you to make that decision.